Hey there, Bulls and Ghouls. Welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly. Nick and George here with... I was waiting to see if you were going to say a percentage, because I was going to laugh. You are like, 98%? I know, because it's... <laughs> or whatever it currently is at, I'm not sure, but... Well, George, now you're talking to me like a smart aleck. <laughs> <laughs> How many people would drive a buggy? <laughs> um, Mulholland Drive is the movie on tap. It does not fit the Hollow Can We Go series at all. The reason we are here is if you were listening to this ongoing saga, we you can only get Lost Highway on physical media. It was 53% or 52% for where we are. It was slated to come up. I've taken another crack at finding the Lost Highway DVD or Blu-ray, whatever it is, which which has the word Lost, Lost in Blu-ray. it. I've I, I found every Blu-ray I've owned in my adult existence except for that one. So we can't hold up the series anymore. We're like, we'll just take a proxy lynch and do it. Sorry to anyone in the group who was looking for the Lost Highway. We'll get to that movie for sure as a bonus episode eventually. But um, I like that this movie is the freak of any movie that should have been like not fitting the format. This is perfect for it. To be clear, we are slotting this in at 53%. We are moving on after this 52. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, okay, totally. Okay. And, and you know, I, here's my other argument, even though this is going to sound like a real reach. It does occur to me that I would bet amongst horror fans exclusively, this would this would rate out about 53%. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think for horror fans, this might be a 53% movie sitting there. So I'll, you know. I, I, here's the thing, though. I, I want to come at this from a different angle uh, because I have seen Mulholland Drive like 15 times. And it's something that gets talked about among movie lovers a lot, but I haven't heard it discussed on podcasts, you know, in, in very often. So I just was like, let's try it because it interests me that, especially in the horror field, sometimes there's a concern about overwatching something, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you squeeze the, all the juice out of the orange, and you just can't enjoy it anymore. And how many times is that? And how can you still enjoy Halloween? 1978 after the 50th time you watch it and when does something never be scary anymore or impressive right. anymore or just you know whatever and i'm here to report that this was one of my favorite watch experiences of this movie out of the 15 like top three um that the movie showed me things that it hadn't shown me before which is amazing that a movie still capable at 15 times mm-hmm. uh, and it's still terrifying so uh, you know the thing is uh you uh, as as it goes it's to me it's uh, kind of cool to know that at the 15 mark a movie can still throw a heater <laughs> at you right that you didn't expect and and what i found in it this time that i didn't see before was the fact that um ball drives getting more relevant not less it's weird um there's uh, david lynch might be better at doing like the emotional analogy thing than anyone we have going right so everything's an analogy right mm-hmm. edward scissorhands is an analogy it's an it, 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 the edward scissorhands means you weren't given guidance so when you go to help someone or someone you care about you're as likely to hurt them as help them right i mean it's literally an analogy did you get that from the brian cox book <laughs> no i didn't is he? He, he seemed <laughs> oh my god i saw another thing edward scissorhands is one of the things he threw under the bus <laughs> I mean, the list is so long now. This is what is going on with it. Oh, we got to get back to that. But okay, so that's a metaphor. But their their metaphors are everywhere. Iron Man is a metaphor, right? Like he's just a suit, right? He's a human. It's like Batman. You have to depend on the power of your brain. The suit is strong, but it comes from a brain, right? So mm-hmm. you're just out there as a human against whatever you come across. You have to be vulnerable. 
and a little crazy <laughs> to do something like that, right? Thanos doesn't operate like that. He doesn't need to worry about how vulnerable he is all day long, right? Iron Man does. So they're all analogies. And in this movie, there's a, emotional analogies that are so well done, so amazing. There's a character in here, Diane, who's trying to create her own reality and hide a truth of something from herself, right? Basically. And um, her she, her whole thing would fall apart if she realized she thinks her name is Betty. Her name's actually Diane, probably. And if, if she knew that, most of the movie wouldn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. If you could just convince her that in the fifth minute of the movie, most of the movie doesn't occur, right? It's because that confusion is so important to what's happening in this movie. So she's trying to hide from herself the fact that she is actually named Diane. She goes to Winkies, like Denny's, basically, and there's a, a server there, and the server's wearing a tag, and it says Diane, because it's starting to crack. Mm -hmm. Her ability to hide ugly truths from herself is starting to fall apart, right? But the, the cool thing is that I hadn't seen before in the movie was it's not her that notices it. It's the other person that she's making up who notices it. It's like your ring alarms get has detected an emotion and it sends the notification to the owner, but the owner hasn't seen it yet. The notification has been sent, but the owner isn't ready to process or be aware of that information yet, right? So the buffer is starting to worry, but, but Diane is not starting to worry yet because she doesn't even know yet, right? The fact that it's built like that and the fact that he can make metaphors and show you that it's... It's horrible emotionally what's going on with this person. And that's why it's so weird. You're getting these segments of things that are happening where, you know, the mob is controlling how Hollywood works or whatever. And she needs that. She needs the excuse that she didn't get the part because a, a conspiracy prevented her from getting the part as an, as an actor. Not that her, her talent wasn't there, right? So... You're getting these really strange sequences, but that's the thing about this movie is it takes so long to show you because it's so hard to keep the truth down, right? He could have done it in 15 seconds, and, and that's probably what a lot of people watch this movie want, yeah. <laughs> right? Just tell me in 15 seconds, why am I watching an assassin fight with a vacuum cleaner for five minutes, right? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> but, but if it took, if it was less complicated or shorter, it would mean it would be easier to do emotionally to, to hide something from yourself. It's like this because she has to work this hard to hide the the horrible, absolutely horrible truth from herself. So so anyway, at 15th time, <laughs> right? And new things occur. So that can happen for any movie, and it's encouraging, right? Because there are movies that I love that I'm afraid, like Exorcist 3, have I watched this too much? <laughs> Right? Will it just yeah. never be feel feel good again? And this one probably felt like that to me two watches ago, but it not the case. It was amazing. This is your first time watching it, so tell, tell me what do you? <laughs> Dude, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> like it's just right. <laughs> uh, so like going into it, I knew a lot of people's reaction was they didn't like it very much. Sure, because like it's weird. Right, right, right. But because like we, you know, are at least. I watched all of the Twin Peaks: The Returns, Firewalk with me, mm -hmm. and I don't think I'd seen any of his other like movie movies. I think pretty much everything I'd seen from him was Twin Peaks related. Right, but you worked in movies, so you absorb a lot of. I'm sure you've seen clips from Elephant Man and like Dune, and so you know how weird, right? Like it's not like yeah. you've read books he's written. Yeah, his meditation book was really good, but 
it, I don't know. It was I didn't know what to expect going into it. Like I had a lot of ideas of like what I thought it was or like what, from, what did you think it was? I thought so. So I'd only seen screenshots. So I thought right. Naomi Watts and what's the other woman's name? Rita. Right. Um, sure. Maybe. Like we know anyone's name in this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I thought it was gonna be like. I don't know, La La Land, if you flipped it upside down and put it in reverse. You know what I mean? Uh, like, okay. Like, oh. that's sort of, like, what I thought. Oh, my God. I can see that. I'm, um, okay. it was, so, but it wasn't that. It was something <laughs> completely different, but it was still really, really good. Um, that's interesting. I don't know, man. It's sort of, <laughs> the whole time you're talking about it, I'm sitting here, it felt like, the other night I, I ate some leftovers, and then Alex called me. And she was like, hey, do you want to cook and make and, like, have everyone over for, like, taco night? And so, like, I wasn't hungry, but I had to eat, or I had to cook. Mm-hmm. And then since I cooked, I decided to eat. And whatever that feeling was is how I feel about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm, like, so I'm very full. Right. I still don't know how I feel about it. So interesting. And you, you even kind of said that going in, like, uh, you kept comparing it to Ghost Story, the Kristen Stewart to, movie. To a personal shopper. Personal shopper, yeah. yeah personal shopper. Uh, that, and, I, and I really like that. And... It, it slowly crept up up on me. Like it wasn't like it would take time. Yeah, right? I really didn't think it was that scary until like maybe a couple of days later when I, you know I was mm-hmm. home alone and I thought about a scene and I was like, oh, that's kind of like freaky. Right. I'm not there yet with this right. movie, but I know I will. Day. Yeah, but right. I know I will be. Right. Maybe. I mean, sometimes that just doesn't work for people, but it's that kind of movie. If it works for someone, it was the same thing with me, and I love it. The first time I watched it, I was mostly confused. Right. But also. I, I it was it's it was it's a mind worm, right? Yeah. It just started to do that that the shining thing, right? Like that's to me that that it's the shining and the plot's almost as linear, like the tr- the traditional plot of the movie is almost as linear. That's why the meaning kind of discussion is boring. But you know, the thing I said I was thinking about about how it became more relevant is how much more relevant is it now than it was when this movie was made? what it takes and how convoluted it can get to create your own reality. I mean, we live in the age of Q now, right? Mm-hmm. So Naomi Watts is 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 constructing a conspiracy that leads to having to meet with a cowboy at a ranch at the top of Beachwood Canyon, which by the way when you look up that address is right below the Hollywood sign. So she has to go literally to the the intersection or he, uh, the uh, the director Adam Kesher has to go to the intersection of he used to go to the Hollywood sign to meet whoever is up there, which is some mysterious force that is going to control his movie, which is right. Amazing. But, um, never mind. I, I don't want to explain. That's the thing is I don't want to get in the trap of the meaning of this movie. It w- it's more about the fact that if she's creating this convoluted experience for herself and the movie's creating that convoluted experience, how many Q drops did it take to get from Q starting to get power on 4chan or Red or wherever all that happened and then start to get noticed by everyone else? I mean, it must have been like the 200, 300th post. How much crazy had mm-hmm. the architect to get to the point where it started to have an impact in the world, right? And this is movie. his movies are about how people create their own realities to protect themselves from truth, <laughs> Right. (laughs) That's where we live. That's where we're at now, except for it's stranger now. Right. All the president's men, that movie is showing you 
what Nixon was doing to create an alternate reality, the alternate reality where he was a good guy. <laughs> right. And, but he was always going to, he was an unbeatable political force, but no one could figure out why. Well, because mm-hmm. he was cheating. Right. But he's not a cheater because if I do it, I'm not wrong. Right. So he had to create a reality for the world, but he did it in traditional ways. I'll kill people who talk. I'll bribe people to not say anything. I'll do whatever. Right. In Mohan Drive, she's trying to, 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 to hide a mistake, a terrible, tragic mistake that she's she's made from herself. And to do it, she's using, like, <laughs> cowboys and skulls and right, the color blue and Club Silencio and, right? But is that stranger than Q? No. But All the President's Men doesn't tell us anything about the age of Q, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? David Lynch does now. Right. Because he was ahead of where we landed. So I think it's I think it's kind of cool that it works in a way that made more sense to me than it would have made in 2001. Right. Which is which is how the best horror movies always work. Right. Like The Exorcist is weirdly just as powerful and more powerful now than it was even though society in general takes religion a lot less seriously now. The Exorcist was always about how faith was just going to bleach away until nothing was left. And now here we are, you know, 40, 50 years after that movie, and, it's, <laughs> and what the movie was talking about is there, right? So, you know what I would do is a double feature? What's that? The Exorcist Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> How would that be? How would that go? <laughs> These are the people that saved me. Oh, jeez! Oh, I'm from Cincinnati. I'm just trying to imagine what my mental state would be after, after if I did both those movies consecutively. That would be terrifying. <laughs> um, what about? I don't know. I don't talk about elements of film like with the knowledge you do. What, talk, talk to me about this movie. How it shot. How it sounds. What's your experience of this movie? Going into David Lynch, I know his big thing is like sound design. Okay. So I know I'm always going to get something like really, really weird um, sounding and and experimental and, 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 I don't know, kind of groovy delivered. Everything, all the, all the, all the, like the weird, you know, I hate to call it weird, but all of the weird staples you get from David Lynch. Right. Obviously uh, show up. The gore in it, uh, there's like some kind of gory moments that Mm -hmm. look really amazing. The, um, the dead figure on the bed is as, is as scary to me in the same way as the famous girl in the closet or in the corner in the ring. And it's weird because I think these movies are the same from the same year. And Naomi, Naomi Watts. Right, right. It's strange because those images look strangely similar to me. It's, it's, it's odd. They're, they're, it's the way the face is wasted away like Pink Floyd the wall style. Like it's sort of melting but black and white. It's weird. Uh, but but that I've got. There's a lot. I mean, just on the horror side of things, there's a lot of really creepy things that are unsettling. Like the old couple when they they're in like the, the jitterbug taxi. judges. Yeah, the jitterbug judges <laughs> when they're on their way back and they're just smiling. You said the best thing. You were like, "It's this like Black Hole Sun." The sound. Yeah, it felt like the, that the music video. Mm-hmm. Um, even the old people showing up at the end with her freaking the hell out mm-hmm. was kind of like. I don't know. I didn't expect it to be. I was watching, going, "This isn't scary," but then, like, I felt like, "Oh, this is kind of scary. <laughs> this kind of freaky, dude. Like, this is this is really weird. Uh, this is kind of working on me." Uh, um, it's a long movie. Mm-hmm, it's it like is. two hours and some in some change, but 
I took a picture of the moon when I walked home because this movie just puts you in a mood, and I love the mood. And um, but this is what it looked like walking to your place. Sorry, podcast people. Oh wow! Right. So like, it's just it was the bright mood for this movie, and we are in L.A. Like it's you know. Well, watching L.A. movies in L.A. Mm-hmm. is always fun because mm-hmm. you're always like trying to be like, where are they at? how close is that to well we both love Mulholland Drive itself so that's a natural like that was my first real that was I'm sorry that was my second real impressive view of LA upon arriving at LA right first was from the top of the Getty Mm -hmm. and the second was from Mulholland Drive where everyone was like that's Jack Nicholson's house I'm like okay (laughs) and then but I'm like what about this sea of stars and lights and all this amazing you know stuff from that view it's a it's a it's a haunting road one of the things I really liked was all the um Hollywood people Mm -hmm. because to me every person who was like working behind the scenes on set felt like a caricature of people david lynch had met and worked with in, in his <laughs> real life totally and you get all kinds of flavors like you get like these creepy pervy hollywood mm-hmm. types uh like uh, in the audition scene yeah in the audition scene that scene was i i got so uncomfortable mm-hmm. how close that old dude named we once got to because the whole time i was like man she's probably smelling like denture paste or something <laughs> like, like right. that's God. She, she's tough. One of the things that, that Lynch is kind of amazing at is uh, th- he sneaks weirdness in. It might be part of the explanation of why he's so weird besides the naturally stuff, right? Is because I think he knows that it gives him cover to do other sneakier things right there are things in this movie that just don't make any sense that you absolutely do not notice until you've watched it a couple times the way the taxi driver greets her at the la airport is how that never happens right no one ever just shows up magically grabs all your bags without asking you perfectly places them into the thing opens the door for you like there's no chaos around you it was absurd how that transaction went but it's because it's not real it's it's in her head the audition scene i mean what audition do you go to where there are 55 people in the room there's people who just are observing for the love of observing auditions, right? Who well, happen also, to be able to give you a break later. The one thing you always hear about auditions mm-hmm. and like actors is like they go to, oh, you know, I had an audition today and I totally blew it. Mm-hmm. Before that, when she's running lines with her friend, she was like, and then big dramatic, I'll kill you. Everything she said to mm-hmm. her and there, she did the exact opposite. It went from this like really loud, emotional, crazy scene to like this really yeah. quiet, intimate. She totally flipped everything she had rehearsed in the audition scene for, for no reason that we're ever given. Right. Yeah. So, so that didn't make sense. Everyone who's ever been to an audition knows you never get feedback at the audition. No one tells you at the audition how you did. I mean, even if you're like Julia Roberts, that doesn't happen, <laughs> right? You leave and then you find out later. The director never comes up to you <laughs> and gives you a hug. Airs. <laughs> right. You're like, wait, I think that was fun. <laughs> right. So, so I mean, there are just things that are happening in here that are so actually surreal, but you don't notice them because there's so much bigger weirdness happening over there. So like the, you walk outside the door and you know, the, the you know, Instacart or whatever is there. And the Instacart person is seven and a half feet tall. And you're like, well, that's not how that usually goes or whatever. But then you look up and there's a giant mushroom tree in your yard. Well, now you don't remember the Instacart person anymore. Right. I think that's part of what he does, which works. Dude. 
I don't know. I'm still. It's so weird. I feel like I. Feel, I feel like I'm still letting that stew boil and just simmer <laughs> on low. Good. We'll revisit. We can actually. the The fun thing will be is we can push, you know, whatever, and then revisit it when we do the bonus or the swing back at Lost Highway, which I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll eventually do. We kind of owe it to the group at some point, and uh, you, we can we can start the episode with revisiting like a year from now how. Mahal Drive kind of stirred up. You know what's you, funny though is watching this, it sooner or whatever. Watching this movie, like the one thing, uh, there, there's that clip where uh, are they asking David Lynch about Lost Highway or Mahal and Drive? They're like, can you explain it? And he says, no. Oh, that's Eraserhead. <laughs> okay, so right. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I always try to go into the David Lynch stuff. Like, <laughs> like thank God I don't have to like try to figure out what any of this means. It can be completely personal. Yep. I can let you know. Not, whatever not, I feel not could he that's he insists you do that <laughs> and when we when we finished the movie yesterday we talked about um my favorite scene is the cowboy scene yes when the guy goes to talk to him yeah, i wanted to ask you why and he was like you know if you see me once you've done good you see me twice you've done bad because <laughs> uh, when we were talking it was sort of like um you know no matter what your skills are what, no matter what your skill set you have, there has to be a little bit of faith or or just luck or whatever involved. to succeed. Yeah, in succeed. anything big. Yeah, right. just just some shit just has to line. Right. Up. Ask Elon Musk, and Elon Musk will tell you if you give him true serum, he might still be like, "Hey, it's ninety five percent me. <laughs> like I'm just an incredibly talented human being." But he'll be like, five percent was blind luck. Like right thing, right right place, right time." Um, I don't know. Something about that like really kind of resonated with me because it was like. The, 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 there's just certain things where if you try too hard for something to happen, it never happens. But the moment you're like, fuck it, who cares? And you let go, everything you wanted kind of like falls into your lap. And you're like, how the hell did that happen? Right. Well, here's what's interesting, right? Because I find this haunting about this movie because you just did it. And everyone I've ever watched this movie with does the exact same thing. Um, there's a kind of famous experience experiment or maybe they really did i don't remember how it went but it's in new york and it's like if you know you're in a group of eight people and you all get split up and you had no pre-arrangement nothing no way to reach each other and you had no pre you hadn't talked anything where would you head like where would you go and some people go to the police station some people go to like you know <laughs> central park some people everyone tries right but a lot of people clump in the same kind of area right so Everyone, everyone th- complains that David Lynch like doesn't make sense or the movie's formless and the plot does you know there's no up and down. I watched a couple of reaction videos on YouTube of people mall and drive, and it's hilarious because their reactions are basically like, "What am I watching?" Right. <laughs> for like 20 minutes, right? So, but here's the thing: everyone knows the cowboy scene is the the center of this movie. Yeah, everyone knows it. No one can explain why, but we all know it. Everyone, it's so weird. But that the cowboy scene. Sp- is where the movie most speaks for what the movie believes in. And we all know it. So if David Lynch didn't have a shape, we wouldn't all be at Grand Central Station. (laughs) It wouldn't be eight people who all decided to go to Grand Central Station. We're all there at the cowboy scene. So why? My theory, or from what I got from it, Mm -hmm. what I pulled from the... Yeah, hell yeah, go for it. So he never likes to, like... He likes to leave things up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I'm sure I could point to maybe one or two times in Twin Peaks, maybe, or at least the returns, um, where he's looking at the camera and actually addressing how he feels about something. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel because uh, the only other reference I really have is I think it's called Catching the Big Fish. Is meditation. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, mm-hmm. There was something. There was catching big fish. No, you're fish right. Vibes. He did it with Monica Bellucci in Twin Peaks: The Return. Um, yeah, for sure. And that I feel like that cowboy was sort of saying something that could have been a couple pages in that book, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the shit he cares about the most. So he can use that as an opportunity to be like, "Hey, blow off a little steam right here." Right. You know, tr- you know, turn the valve up a little. Right, but here's and then go back. what's interesting. I'm so glad you said that because that's what I thought you were gonna say. And the interesting thing is, if someone got to the heart of you, like the secret of Nick, right? The most important single thing you could know about Nick, um, you would expect it to be, so I would expect it to be something really good, something really um, positive, basically. This is the heart of David Lynch, but that scene is the second scariest scene in the movie to me. There's menace in that scene, right? It's dark. the The well, way the light flickers up, right, right. But the way the light flickers up when he's when he's there, and when he something about the way it's paced, something about the absence of sound behind them, something about the fact that he's wearing there was a few Tom scenes. Mix's coat. That's the first Western star in the history of Hollywood's coat is who the, is what the cowboy is wearing, right? It, the patterns on the coat don't make sense. The age behind that real coat, that coat is a fortune. That's like the guitar in Fateful Eight is what that, <laughs> is what that coat was. Um, the fact that all that heritage is there in that scene and the cowboy is talking and making sense and not making sense. And it's like you're in the center of some kind of tornado. Right. Uh, it's so... that. But that the thing is, it's interesting because I think we are there. But unlike with you or how... People are usually wired when you're at the heart of him. It's the second scariest location in the film. Right. And I think he knows that. I think I think he can't help it. Right. And I think that's part of what makes him him. I wish I remembered the quote off the top of my head. It was like about following your something. Uh, in the book, I didn't read the book. No, no, no. The cowboy, the cowboy's oh. dialogue. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the the. The, all the, so he says it's not long. You look it up while we're because he does the buggy part. He does the you're being a smart aleck part. He does the one time, two times part. He does the are you listening? Are you saying that? Because <laughs> I'm trying. This is weird. <laughs> you're going to have the whole. This is weird. Like, it's weird because I'm shooting around where you're looking. A man's for. attitude goes some oh, ways. Right. Yes. The way uh, his life will be. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me pull it up here. Okay, cowboy. A man's attitude. A man's attitude goes uh, some ways. The way his life will be. Is that something you agree with? And then Adam says, "Sure, sure." <laughs> now, did you answer that because you thought that's what I wanted to hear? Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, he asks him. The cowboy asks, "What do you say?" A man's attitude determines to a large extent how his life will be. Right. I think. I mean, that's. That feels pretty true. I know some pretty shitty people. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, the the amazing thing is, I, this is this podcast shouldn't go here. I'll, I'll keep this quick. There, the 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 very first philosophers in, in kind of Western, they kind of we know of at least as of my dated information, is a kind of a set of people who were trying to figure out what the most important thing in the universe was, but because they were first, their answers were dumb. <laughs> So like, <laughs> like one of them was, 
<laughs> Seriously. Like, I forget their names. They're like Parmenides and Anaxagoras or whatever. Like, it's, it's, but one of them picked earth. So dirt was the most, the meaning, most, the dirt meant everything, right? And one of them picked water. <laughs> like, water was the thing, right? And one of them picked air, one of them picked fire. And then the next one was shit out of luck. <laughs> or he was just smarter than them because Heraclitus was like, it's, every it's the flux it's all the things you said so he like trumped them he like did the prices prices <laughs> righted them right but he said one dollar he said some amazing shit so he said you can't step in the same river twice right which was he was trying to explain what what he was talking about the flux was but he also said your character is your fate Whew. right so a man's attitude determines to a large extent how their life will be and your character is your fate are the same thing, right? This was first. This was the first. So in the second scariest scene, they're dropping like the world's first. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he means. I don't know if he knows what he means. I don't know. He might have just dreamt those words and wrote them on an orange peel and saved, <laughs> saved them for later. <laughs> and they the might be in peel. that scene. None of us. None of us. <laughs> <laughs> none, of us, none of us know <laughs> that's part of his point but, but, what, but what i do know is in that scene when he says first of all it's interesting that he says it he says it one way and the director says i was listening and he says it back and the cowboy accepts his answer even though his answer isn't the same with the cowboy said right a man a man's attitude will determine how his life will be is a definite statement it's a hundred percenter He's like, to a large extent. Yeah, I did notice He this. caveats it, but the cowboy accepts it. Like, either he's being patient with him, and he's like, I know you can't get all of what I'm talking about at one go, but that was better than most people do, right? Uh, or whatever's happening there. But it's interesting that that... But anyway, the, the thing is that that scene is is the heart of the movie and somehow everyone knows it even though everyone thinks that there's no shape to david lynch's movie you know it's funny it's what would be the number one scene would it be the diner scene in the beginning would that be i mean the most famous scene is the diner scene but ever if you ask someone what is this movie trying to say they almost always end up landing at the cowboy scene right because it, it it's there <laughs> like whatever what this movie's trying to do something and, and a, a lot a lot of what this movie is trying to do is right there we just don't know why we know it's there it's the crossroads it's like the intersection of something right i'm telling you he put it at the hollywood sign in the mall i want to rewatch the Hollywood scene. <laughs> right i don't know why <laughs> so um but it's also a, to me it's a scary scene it was scary the first time I saw it and it was scary now because it's the way so the way the cowboy talks is the way that Lynch makes the house owner of Laura Palmer's house talk in the very last scene of Twin Peaks the return before the horrifying the scream and the, right. and the what year is this um, thing which is really chilling he's he Cooper keeps asking her questions who owned this house before she's like He's like, what's your name? Chalfon. Who owned this house before? The Dubois or whatever. Whatever that dialogue is, right? And she's saying it in this flat, no emotion, no blinking, almost Hannibal Lecter type way of speaking. And there aren't a lot of times that happens in David Lynch's movies. 
think about all the emotion that even though the guy's not doing much in the diner scene, he's terrified. You know he's terrified. You feel for this guy whenever you're watching that scene. But he's not doing a lot with his face. He's a pretty minimal. He's not overacting. He's not like Jack Nichols. He's not like, get a load of me. (laughs) It's on on the quieter side of of how acting is done. But not like this. There's a creepy stillness to the cowboy and the way he's delivering his message that feels like an alien. And I don't say so he sucks all the flavor out of it. I don't like it. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. It's threatening. And then you see him later at the dinner party, just lurking back there in his fucking coat. And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you spot him like two more, t- you spot him two more times. Now remember, uh, I'm sorry, you spot him one more time. So remember, he says, you'll see me one more time. If you do good, you'll see me two more times. If you do bad, he did good. He picked the girl and got his life. The director did. And we see the cowboy one more time at the party. I feel like the director. (sighs) Tell me about that. The director sold himself out, right? Like in the player. I mean, that part is just like the player. That arc is no one notices it. But that director's arc is he sells out completely and has the fabulous house and the amazing wife and the wife he wanted. That was better than the other wife. The Billy Billy Ray Cyrus scene was... (laughs) First of all, horror fans, Billy Ray Cyrus is in this movie. And he's actually, he might be my favorite part. He's a, he might be tied with the cow, two cowboys in this film. Dude, you gotta do his line. Dude. Oh. Lorraine, it's the, he might be upset. <laughs> Lorraine, he might be upset. He catches, director comes home, catches his wife banging Billy Ray Cyrus. And he gets upset. And then Billy Ray Cyrus just whoops his ass and throws him out of his own house. But he's so calm and clean. He's like, you don't talk to a lady. I don't care if you talk to. And he just like beats the shit out but of it's him. But it's his laid back. So when he bursts in on them, they have a classic cheating reaction. Yep. The director bursts in and the wife goes, now nah, you did it. <laughs> Which is his amazing. <laughs> right? <laughs> but the thing is, remember, I was talking. Sorry to bring it back to serious for a moment. Remember, I was talking about how everything in here is a metaphor for Naomi Watts hiding the truth from herself. Right? Right. The director rejected her, not just for the part, but romantically. So he has to be a romantic idiot, right? He has Mm -hmm. to be the most undesirable. No one wants this guy, right? It's his fault. Even though he, even though everything that's happening to this poor guy, he's having the worst day. It should be falling down for him. We should feel bad for him. Right. But when he bursts in, she's like, now you did it. Because uh, Naomi Watts is struggling to keep the truth from herself. She's try. She can't tell the story right, right? It's like Alice in Wonderland. It's I can't. I'm telling you, man. It's the movie is so emotional, but you just it's so because everything that's happening in the movie is crack slipping for when like. So I'll give you an example: the assassination scene. The the I got bit real bad. <laughs> amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazingness in that whole sequence, right? Her office is cluttered with antioxidants and free radical stuff and all kinds of stuff that like is supposed to keep everything in line and everything the way it should be. And she gets shot, gunned down, like the white blood cells are going, the guardian, like her defenses are falling. The, 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 you know, she's, she's starting to realize that, that. You know, if this movie had an alternate tile title, it would have been instead of "There Will Be Blood," it would be "There Will Be Silencio," would be, <laughs> would be the alternate title of this movie because there's gonna be silence. The thing that has to stop is these thoughts, these thoughts, the the thoughts of 
that I, I won. I was so happy. I won the jitterbug contest. I, th- I really thought I had, my life was going to go one way and it's been one disaster and pain and suffering after another. And the thing is, the jitterbug contest is the thing that sets her on the path to destruction, but she thought it was the most amazing thing in her life, right? Think about that because th- that's the thing, right? That's, what, that's how it happens. And th- 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 they're the ones who destroy her in her mind because they applauded her and gave her this prize that set her on this course. And this shit has happened, right? There's a jitterbug contest. I know. I, we know it's not true necessarily, but or could be, but whatever. If but you think you can But wait, listen, act- listen to me. There, has, there was a jitterbug contest for James Dean. There was a jitterbug contest for Marilyn Monroe, right? There was a moment where someone turned to them and was like, wow, you're amazing at this when they were five or six or seven. And they were like, maybe I am amazing at this. I could do this. And then tragedy is greatness. And then tragedy ensues, right? There, right. I guarantee that jitterbug contest is in the past of like tragic Hollywood figures, right? What if it was all legit jitterbug competitions. <laughs> it's like, we got to stop these jitterbug competitions. It's, what if they're the actual... It's killing everyone. It's killing all of this amazing talent. <laughs> we found the answer. The pro- Hollywood, the, the dark heart of Hollywood. Yeah, if you see jitterbug. a flyer jitterbug contest, just wa- wa- tear it down and walk away. All right, so that's Mulholland Drive. That is the one skip exception. Do we have anything else for this movie? Oh, just his view of Hollywood. I oh. thought I thought his view of Hollywood was really, really awesome. Just it sucks. People want to suck the life out of your creative vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you even get the opportunity to do it. They're going to change it on you. You have no control. I like the idea of the creative control aspect mm-hmm. of this movie. Right. Because he's someone who, um, and it's. I think it's because Dune just came out. A lot of articles came up about David Lynch's Dune and mm-hmm. how he had basically everything stripped away from him. And it was not even remote. I could, I could feel Dune resonating in this movie for him personally like the shit he had to deal with i mean and not just dune i mean you think about twin peaks was can't was forced murdered yeah i mean his beloved child was held down in front of him shot in the head i mean they were like we will tell people who killed laura palmer and he was like no and they were like no we will and it'll be great and then it ruined the series it was canceled in two two years or i mean it became a infinite legend right for a tv lore commonly like in the top 10 of list of all time tv series but it literally is a two season series until he brought it back like you know for the return so um he did a lot a little with with a lot there (laughs) right i really it's it's funny you say the director sold out because he did do right by the cowboy he cast the actor they wanted camilla rhodes I'm trying to. What do you think that means for Lynch, though, in terms with with his creativity? Like, what do you think he was saying? Right. Well, this is the problem you run into with Shakespeare, because that happens, but it happens in a scene that isn't real. So, is he endorsing it, or does it just happen? So, I'll give you in Hamlet one of one of Shakespeare's most famous lines is "To thine own self be true." great line i mean think about it, to thy own self be true i mean it's one of the it's great i'm sure tons of people have gotten through hard times like, i'll be true to myself that's what counts you know? right it's told by an idiot an, an actual 
lunatic is the person <laughs> in the play who says that line. And nothing he says is right. Every, all the advice he gives gets people killed, is wrong. But he says, to thine own self be true. So does Shakespeare think, to thine own self be true? Oof. Right? So the director sells out, but he sells out because Naomi Watts needs to think there's a reason she didn't get the part. Right? Now, in real life, did he sell out? I don't even know how to track who got what part <laughs> in the arc in the real life story. Right? right? I think he gave the part to his wife. And maybe he gave the other part to Camilla. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that that's... But what I'm telling you is that the, the the way the director is being portrayed in the movie, obviously, that's another thing about Lynch. You notice the weird way this guy walks and, like, has no emotion. He's given, like, a, the news, like, some guy comes into the hotel, like, you, you, you're broke. He's like, no, I got cash. Oh, <laughs> he was one of my third favorite character. He's like, I just... I just want to tell you, I was looking, I was looking for you. They know where you're at. <laughs> right. right. And we got all serious, but there's another episode of this we could have done. I could have done 20 minutes on the comedy of Mulholland Drive. I mean, the guy who comes in and kicks Billy Ray Cyrus's ass is hilarious. It is weird that... Adam Kesher. <laughs> someone as, you know, weird and slash scary as David Lynch has a lot of really funny moments. Mm-hmm. Like in Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. pretty much all of Dougie. Oh, it's just totally. like really silly. Honestly, the assassination scene in this movie was my favorite David Lynch assassination scene, I think, until Twin Peaks The Return. When Remember when um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Tim Roth parked their van in front of <laughs> yeah. the accountant's driveway? And he's like, you're in my driveway. And she looks at him like, no, we're not. Fuck off. <laughs> and he goes and gets like an Uzi <laughs> out of his car. And they have like a Buster Scruggs <laughs> off in the middle of suburbia. In a, but, <laughs> but it's funny. Like those scenes are funny, right? The, I got bit real bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you got shot in the leg. You're not getting the, the, His hair sticking out of his dead head with the bullet path and the blood hanging off the hair. Like, oh, it's hilarious. Those scenes. The cowboy is funny, actually. The cowboy scene makes me laugh, even though it's scary, because he's also hilarious. He's like, he's like, you're not, you're too busy being a smart aleck. I mean, who talks like this, right? Like, there's a lot of, even the dialogue in the beginning when Naomi Watts is there. Mm-hmm. It's it feels like some like weird night like leave it to Beaver right kind of stuff right we're like zooming in on dog poop on the sidewalk for no reason <laughs> right because right. Dave Lynch is also five <laughs> sometimes it's just I've every time well it's funny there was that thing um, with David Lynch about like f- how would you film a donut. Oh, I've never heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like it was like if you have a donut in front of you, like how would you film it? Okay. Like how would you get creative? And he was just he kept going to those doctors. I was like, that's his donut. It just that's it. That's those doctors. That's David Lynch's donut right there, baby. <laughs> there it right. is. And and there's also the the thing is, remember that I was telling you, it's the, the 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 takeaway from this to me is how emotional the movie is, and people think David Lynch is cold like Stanley Kubrick, and it's the furthest thing from the way I'm taking this movie now, which I hadn't felt about the movie before. There's an amazing moment where Laura Herring, the the uh, Naomi Watts's uh, twin, a pair persona, whatever, um, she when she sneaks in after the head injury from the car accident. 
there's an amazing moment where um, Aunt Ruth is packing. She's got a luggage and she's going to the car. Um, and David Lynch films like some Buster Keaton slapstick of the luggage and the guy tilts into the trunk and he almost packs himself in the trunk because <laughs> the luggage is too heavy and he's like a little dude, right? But um, there's an, an, it's actually was my favorite visual from this pass of my movie. The single favorite thing was there's a moment where the camera shoots through. You see Laura Herring sneak into the house. She gets to the door. You see Aunt Ruth turn around the way any homeowner does when they're leaving. Like, did I turn leave anything on? Mm -hmm. Whatever. And she clearly should be seeing her sneak through the door. The way he has set it up, there is no way she misses it. I remember thinking that. And she turns away. But you cannot tell if she's turning away on purpose or she just missed it. Right? And remember, what this movie is about is there's some secret you're trying to hide from yourself. And when you start to realize there's a secret there, your defenses start to fall. You start to feel guilt. You start to feel horrible. You start to have a mental breakdown. So that like near miss, remember in comfortably numb, I caught a fleeting glimpse out of the corner of my eye, but it was gone. That's what happens there in that moment, Uh, in in that moment to me, who knows? Right. But to me, and the fact, the fact that she just misses it. And the later she sees the tag, Diane, and then later she sees the club Silencio and can't ignore it. She starts shaking because the truth is, you know, is, 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 is setting in and she's just falling apart. That's what she was. Okay. I was, she's falling apart because it's about to be over. Right. And then think about, here's the personal shopper moment. The thing is, Everyone takes Lynch as goofy, but I, the single scariest moment in this movie to me is when the blue box falls and just thuds on the floor. That is the scariest moment to me. And then Aunt Ruth comes in because you know what's happening there? Aunt Ruth never, never left. There was no trip. None of that's happening. This, that house, none of that happened there, right? No, no one snuck in from a car accident. You know, like Aunt Ruth is there, or maybe she took the trip. Who knows? But like, they're not there, right? Because none of this is happening. She's dead in her, right. in her, or about to be dead in her, in her other apartment. So Aunt Ruth walks in like she heard something, and then gives us that strange, and then walks away. That box isn't there, but the dimensions have connected enough where this horrible thing, where Naomi Watts's Naomi Watts's character has realized the truth, and she's about to die or is dead. She vanishes from the room completely. The box thuds to the floor like that carpet thud sound. And then Aunt Ruth comes in like she heard something and then leaves. But why is she coming in? It's like the moment in No Country for Old Men when Tommy Lee Jones goes into the room where clearly Anton Chigurh should be behind the door, but he's not there. Why? It's because it, it this so much trauma has built up. It's starting to reach into the different parts of the world, right? You're hearing the thud of... Like whatever, and 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 what is that thud? Is that the gun falling to the floor after she shoots herself? Is it the knocking on the like? I mean, what, right. is it her body? I know she was in the bed, so it's probably the gun, right? But that thud, that blue box, whatever that moment of truth, that realizing is devastating. Like Club Silencio is devastating. They're in tears. They're torn up, right? So, so that that's the emotional part of it, and the fact that Aunt Ruth comes in and like they they were both ghosts, and now they're both gone. <laughs> Because none of that is. And now you're in an empty room with a blue box that really isn't there anymore. And even the blue box is gone when Aunt Ruth comes in. Now you just got Aunt Ruth in a room. The most plain thing in reality is the most terrifying thing in a David Lynch movie. (laughs) Aunt Ruth in a room looking around for a sound she shouldn't be hearing because something horrible just happened somewhere else is the scariest thing in this movie. All right, last question. Yes. 
if you can answer this. Yes. What was the deal with the old people at the end? Well, those are the jitterbug judges. Yeah, right, right, right. Right, so they started this all. Right, they're they're. Why did they come back to be, haunt her into her? Because 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 it's like you have to kill the head vampire, right? How do you Santa Rosa is going to be overrun with vampires? What are you going to do? You got to kill the head vampire, right? The jitterbug judges ruined her life. They started this. They put her into the Hollywood nightmare. So the jitterbug judges are the only ones who can end it. They are the ones who started it. So it's just a bookend. It's it's not it no she, in her mind. It, the only the, you, the the only thing that can kill something is what starts it. So in her mind, she in her mind that. it was the jitterbug judges that came back. So remember, so her attitude is it determines, determines to a great extent a great how extent. one's life will be. Yeah, that is absolutely right. right. And sense. and the thing is, the jitterbug judges, um, you know, when, when that knocking is probably authorities coming to arrest her. If it's not her ex girlfriend coming to get her things, like we don't, I think that already happened. Like the timelines or yeah. whatever. But remember, she said the detectives were looking for you. They were here before. I mean, they're going to find her. Eventually. Yeah, she was trying to lay right. low. And all of a sudden, she's running. Like there's knocking, knocking, and she's running. Like it could be the authorities about to arrest her. And that's exactly how Lost Highway ends. The reason Bill Pullman is convulsing in the car at the end of the Lost Highway, I'm convinced, is because he's being electrocuted in an electric chair. He doesn't know it. He thinks he's in a car escaping because that's how David Lynch works. Right? Wow. You're trying to defend yourself from a horrible reality and you don't know how horrible the reality is. And and then reality catches up with you, i.e. electric chair, right? So in this case, authority is knocking at the door about to arrest you and she shoots herself, right? But it's in her mind, it can't be that because that wouldn't make sense in the storyline she's telling herself, right? So she, what, what takes her out is that her mental collapse is complete. And the thing that started this horror is ending it. And the thing that happens with David Lynch is the bigger evil is still out there. That's the cool part is it's not just in her head. If it was just in her head, it wouldn't be interesting. It would be interesting, but it wouldn't be as interesting. But that evil is out there. It's the Black Lodge in Twin Peaks. It's mm -hmm. like out there in the world, right? Like that evil isn't ended because she died. It's not because the evil was Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> right? A Mulholland Drive, beautiful and terrifying. Like... Like an, an amazing landmark, but completely twisty and curvy and untrustworthy. <laughs> right? Golly. Man, I would, I just, I feel bad. I feel like I wish I had more to, to no, give you're, no, you're, to no. this episode, but I'm also, but at the same time, I'm like enjoying just being a passenger. Right, but everything like, could be, everything I'm saying could be wrong. I'm just saying that the, the, that's why I started this with, the point of it to me is, Imagine being this excited and finding this much stuff you hadn't found in a movie the 15th time. So whatever movie is out there that you think is ruined for you, right? Just give it a chance. Like give it a little time and come back to it like in a different way because the 15th time might not be it, but the 17th time could be. Like there could be an amazing reconnection with the movies you love that you think are played out or done, which is which is to me that was the main enjoyment right. of this. So even though this this is not I mean it is officially now hollow can we go it's mm -hmm. filling it it's filling mm -hmm. in for 53 percent for a lost highway yeah it's, let's it's do taking our, on the identity of another movie let's let's do our ratings. Go figure <laughs> i i know what my ratings are okay uh my rating is a bunch of symbols that make no sense <laughs> so i give it like pound sign yeah you 86 <laughs> and then like feather <laughs>
That's <laughs> Feather is probably the best review. <laughs> That's my review. That's where I was <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I'm totally good with that. You know, the weird thing is that this movie is often number one on lists of best movies made after 2001. More often than not, when I've Googled randomly, you know, most critically, best movie made after 2001, after 2000, this movie is uh, literally number one. It's like the Citizen Kane of, of these movies. Uh, it's either that or Social Network or something. I don't remember when that movie came out. But the thing is that this is so weird that this isn't a series called Hello, Here We Go. And I just love that this movie is in in standing in for something else, and like David Lynch would do it. <laughs> right? It's not. It's pretending it's fifty three percent, but it's not right. So I'm going to give it fifty three percent. I'm going to maintain David Lynch's disguise, right? And you do with that what you will, knowing how I really feel about this movie. But <laughs> right, like there's the, there's no way to really review Mulholland Drive, right? Like yeah, all least. there is is to review how it is for you because. Like I said, any YouTube reaction video you'll find about this movie is basically people just being like, huh? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why I tried to go in with like, just know that like, don't search for answers. Just just catch meaning. Right. Well, that's the thing is David Lynch says so many amazing things. Usually I'm not big on directors interviews, to be honest. I like film history film history books and like whatever but directors in interviews are are evasive or sometimes they don't even know why they're actually good like you know it's not it's not easy for a director to explain it's like that famous saying like you know writing writing about something is like a fish riding a bicycle or some shit right like so it, it doesn't make sense so um that's the thing is i don't think I don't think you can really like, kind of rate a movie like this. I think it's more like just let it be what it is for you, and then. <laughs> but like, go into it like on. expecting that. Like, don't go into right. there trying to like, okay, we're gonna go from A to B to then B to C. Right. Just go in there. Yeah. See what you can pull from it. But that's Lynch says things. He said in an interview once that I liked. He was like, "It's so delicate how you get into the movie world." He's like, "But if if the people are quiet, and if it's dark." And they give it a chance. And it's right. It'll be amazing. <laughs> right? And he talks like that. He's like, it's very fragile. He's like, that. the way you get into a situation like that is very... I remember how freaked he was about Twin Peaks The Return. He's like, get off Twitter. <laughs> get off your phone. Nobody's going to do that anymore. I mean, that's a place where he's dated is that. That's probably why he's not that productive anymore. You know, wow, yeah. Us. But um, it, it, it's... It's, you know, it's encouraging to me because there are a lot of people in the horror genre, which is what this podcast is really about, who are like that as well. There are people like Alfred Hitchcock or perfectionists who really wanted to get it right because they wanted to entertain you, <laughs> right? They really want to get it right. But part of David get it, David Lynch getting it right, like like the, you know, Alfred Hitchcock going around being like, if you, you can't be late going into Psycho, you're not allowed. You were right. not allowed in the theater if you're late. I mean, think about what that move represents. Like, it's marketing, but it's also he's like you can't miss the beginning <laughs> it's of of Lego, right? But he's he planted a flag. He's like, I know you guys, Hollywood. You think oh, it's meaningless. You just 
we're, we're here to entertain you for an hour and a half, and then you talk about it, and then whatever. Like, it's not that important, but it's important to me. <laughs> you will not go into this movie like whatever. And David Lynch is, if you go in and you don't hunt for reading and you give it a chance, live with the movie for a second, it could be great. <laughs> right? Like, who could be against that is, I think, my point. So, and there's not a lot of give movies. it a shot. There's and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But, like, and there's just not a lot of movies that, that give you that opportunity. Right. A lot of them just could try to force some shit down your throat. And they're like, "Don't you right. feel good? Right? Or don't you feel bad? Right? I, I don't. I don't give myself sixty seconds of preparatory silence on the way into pixels. <laughs> <laughs> Might help. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I should. I, I wish should. Another. Bonus, I've never seen pixels another, but before. Oh, I do. I'm fuck. just gonna like sit there like, not a word, the, dude. This not the, a word. This is the worst. All right. So okay. that was that was fifty three percent. Fifty two percent. We should be back. Yeah, I'm going to do, I'll poll two movies at once because we want to do a, a two for record both episodes back to back. So um, I'll try not to mix it up. <laughs> My track record. <laughs> this is not, was Bob Ross, great. man. That's a happy accident. <laughs> this one was so convoluted I got here. It was twisty, you might say. Like, I think that's that's the perfect, that's the perfect time. And you, uh, we all know that that Lost Highway Blu-ray is just going to turn up tomorrow, right? Like, I know that I'm going to open up. No, a your doorbell's cabinet. gonna ring, and a cowboy's <laughs> gonna have it in his hand. He's like, "If you see me once, you done good. If you see me two times, you'll never see this DVD again, and then we'll never see the movie." Well, our listeners' attitudes go a long way. Yes. to how well our podcast does. So, if you have a good attitude about this episode you're currently listening to, leave a review. Leave a review. Let us know what fifty-two. Let's give us give us some suggestions. <laughs> give us some suggestions. The group, some other groups, the groups crushed it with with the with the picks. Yes. So the group hasn't been wrong. Not not a single time yet. No, in, we, in this we've, we've we've screwed up, up we've screwed but they have multiple times. They they're like just listen, shut up, and listen to. Don't be a smart aleck. Just do the movie. Look, there's one person driving his buggy, and it should be them. It should be so them. We'll 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 let them weigh in on the next two. All right. Well, until next time, stay scary. Watch a bunch of horror movies. We'll see you at fifty-two percent. Thank you.